One of my favorite aspects of the New Testament is how on a number of occasions, Paul, in his writing, in his letters, compares the Christian life to that of an athlete who is in training for the games. I, I really love this. I, I think I love it because I'm passionate about sport, so it's an easy buy-in for me. There are a number of times when, when Paul compares the Christian life with the life of an athlete in training. I'll give you a few examples. 1 Corinthians 9.25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. One of my favorite passages in the whole of the Bible. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 5. Anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. Philippians 3.14, a very famous passage. Some of you could probably quote it. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I really love this image that we have of how we are like athletes in training. I, mean, I was uh, doing a little reading around Mo Farah uh, a few years back, and I came across uh, the details of his training regime before the 2012 Olympic Games. Mo Farah is, is a national treasure, and he's a hero. And, and for a number of years, he stayed right at the top of his game as one of the best athletes on the planet. But that didn't happen overnight. And it didn't happen without some serious, serious training. I'm going to read to you some of his uh, training. That's better. Daily sessions on an underwater treadmill to supplement his 120 miles a week running regime whilst minimizing the risk of injury. Spending time in a cryogenic chamber, which is cooled what? to minus 220 degrees Fahrenheit using liquid nitrogen to aid muscle recovery after training. Running his mileage at an average pace of 5.4 minutes a mile, a minute quicker than his previous training regime in Britain. Weight training and core strength work in the gym to improve his overall body strength. A consistent program of therapy, massage, and cryptopractic training to help prevent injury. I'm not even sure what cryptopractic training is, and I'm not even sure I'm pronouncing it correctly, but you get the point, don't you? Mo Farah became the greatest athlete on the planet because of his passion and his dedication and commitment to what he was doing. Let me remind you again. Paul says that as Christians, we are a bit like athletes training for the games. How do you measure up to Mo? How are you doing as a disciple and as a leader in your training regime? Because I've been thinking about some of the things that I've been learning over the last well, 25 years as a leader in the church that have helped me to stay focused, to keep training and keep pressing on towards that goal. I, I've come up with, with five things that I think I, I've learned. It, I, in terms of being that sense of calling, I don't know how your calling to leadership came. I, I felt I was called to be a leader by God when I was about 16. It just kind of happened naturally. I just got excited and I wanted to do stuff in the church. I'd been a Christian about six months and I just wanted to get on. I couldn't help myself. What I've discovered in my Christian life is that uh, God's gifts kind of will make a way for themselves. 
uh, if you are just excited about serving God and taking every opportunity he gives you. So I started leading about uh, 25 years ago. And he, he's my five top tips to staying fit and healthy as a leader. Number one, spend time with people who encourage you and build you up. That's the, that's the first thing on my list. I don't think that I would have lasted 25 years in Christian leadership was it not for the, the kind of people that I hang out with. I choose to hang out with. I make it my time and, and I make it a priority in my diary to be with certain people. We, we can call them mentors. We can call them spiritual guides. We can call them just good Christian friends. But being around people who you can uh, be accountable to, who you can share with openly and honestly, who you can pray with, I think that makes all the difference. You know, the moaning minis. I was listening to a sermon uh, just a few months, actually, and, and, and the, the guy said, you become like the people you spend time with. Choose wisely. Mm -hmm. I thought that was quite simple, but very profound. And it is true. Uh, as leaders... Uh, the Bible says iron sharpens iron. Choose to spend time with people who you know will sharpen you, will, will encourage you and spur you on. Uh, the second thing that I would share with you this evening would be uh, be the leader that you're called to be, not the leader that somebody else is called to be. It took me a while to figure this one out because in my early years, particularly, I thought that to be a leader, I had to fit in a particular mold. I had to be like that person because they're, they're clearly a leader. And actually, the wonderful thing is this, that, that God calls all sorts of people to be leaders in all sorts of different ways. You don't have to be like that other person. You just have to be the leader that God wants you to be. And that's beautiful. That's great. Don't beat yourself up because that person on Facebook seems to be doing a better job of leading than you do because they've probably got all the challenges and the struggles just like you. And God's made them to be themselves and made you to be the leader that you are. When I realized that, and it took me quite a while, it felt quite liberating actually. The third thing that I would share with you this evening is that vulnerability is okay as a leader. Vulnerability is okay. I do believe that sometimes we've got to be strong leaders and strong for other people. Uh, until recently, I was leading quite a large congregation, and there was a sense of standing up there on a Sunday morning. Uh, I kidding myself that unless they think I've got it together and they think I know, I know loads of stuff, they, they'll, they'll feel cheated. What I actually discovered is that when I share with people and I share some of my vulnerabilities, some of my personal challenges, there's something very beautiful about that because human beings are attracted by the vulnerability of others. It's a beautiful thing. Never be afraid as a leader to think that you can't be vulnerable with your people. Uh, the fourth thing I would uh, say is really important for us is what I'm going to call work, rest, and play. Work, rest, and play. I think that was an advert for a Mars bar a few years ago for those of us at a certain age. Is that right? A Mars a day helps you work, rest, and play. <laughs> a few years ago. Try <laughs> 25 years ago. <laughs> There's at least five or six of us in this chat will remember that advert. Never mind, just a slogan. Uh, is that all right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do I mean by this? Getting the balances right. Isn't that important for us as leaders? If we don't get the balances right, it just doesn't work. Uh, 
I'm proud to say I'm not a workaholic. You might think that's a strange thing for me to say. It's called I got to be a leader. I'm not a workaholic because I love all aspects of my life. I love spending time with my family. I really like doing the things that are life-giving to me, which one of them happens to be playing golf. And I know you will probably won't get that, but I love it. And for you, it might be reading or, or, or knitting or, or writing or, or whatever it is. Those things that make you come alive, that's part of the gift in you. That's part of what God has given you, the way he's made you. I've had to learn through good times and challenging times in leadership that getting the balances right is essential. Mm. Uh, giving good quality to our friendships and in our, in our family life. Sadly, I've come across a lot of Christian leaders who uh, are so passionate about the ministry, they start to forget how important it is to develop the ministry of home life. And, and that, that's, that's the wrong path to the wrong place. Learn to get the balances right of, of work, rest, and play. And the, the last thing I would share with you, I could share a bunch of things, but these, these are the top five that came to mind. Uh, learn the gift of bounce back ability. Mm. Bounce back ability. I don't even know whether that word exists, but it, it does now. It's probably not on, not on the dictionary. And I think it's a particularly important one for us at this time because of COVID. I think one of the questions and leaders that we've got to be asking ourselves is how will we come back strong? How will we come back well? We're doing all that we can at the moment to the best of our ability. We're making the most of every opportunity, but we're not where we want to be. And at some point, we really want to come back and come back strong. How will we do that? Learn the gift of bounce back ability. Uh, as leaders, we will have our knocks. We will wear our scars. We'll get bruised occasionally mm. because we make ourselves vulnerable before the people. Sometimes we will be targets because we're standing at the front and, and, and we've stuck our necks on the line and said, we're going over there, guys. Will you follow? Uh, those of us that do that occasionally will be vulnerable and have our tough times. And I've, I've had to learn over 25 years now to bounce back, to not allow things to get to me, to realize that uh, I make mistakes sometimes, to realize that, it, that it's tough sometimes, but it's worth it. And I'm going to come back and nothing feels as bad in the morning as it did in the middle of the night, does it? So learn the gift of bounce back ability. Okay, you've had lots of input. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to introduce two friends of mine who are going to share something about their journey of uh, being leaders and how they stay spiritually, possibly even physically fit and healthy. And, and even, you know, how you're doing with this COVID thing. So I'll be delighted to, to share with, uh, with Amy and Lena Minnie. Uh, uh, so Amy, I'm going to invite you first. Tell, introduce yourself, first of all, if you wouldn't mind. Tell us who you are and what you do. Okay. Hi, everybody. Um, Hi. I'm Amy. Um, I'm married to a guy called Steve. I've got two children, six-year-old and 13, very nearly 14-year-old. Um, I am the lay leader of Oasis Community Church in Stoke-on-Trent and it's kind of like a rural Staffordshire kind of pioneer plant church is where it all started. And it's a great church too. I've loved going there over the years and visiting. When I first became a, a, a Christian, I was, I was 18 and then um, I came out of club culture, so I was really involved in, in like clubland stuff back in the 90s. And um, 
became a Christian and just wanted to reach my people with the good news of Jesus and so became part of a team that went out to Ibiza in the summer seasons and we did mission out in Ibiza so that's kind of where my team leader stuff started in a church context and then started leading an Anglican church at Thomas's in Lancaster and um, being a, a leader in their youth team so that's kind of where it all began. And Great. I, go from there? And I went from there to Swan Bank. Mm. Uh, Amy, I'd, I'd love you to, uh, the theme for this evening is, is, you know, how do we stay fit and healthy? What are the good practices? I'm going to leave you to share just a few minutes. What, have, what do you do? What have you done? What have you learned about staying healthy as a Christian leader? Okay. So my first top tip for self-preservation and church leadership would be um, under-promise and over-deliver. I think in the past I've been really guilty of over-promising and under-delivering and that gets you in a pickle and makes people really grumpy and grumpy people are no fun to be with. So um, I've learned to under-promise and over-deliver. So that then people are really happy with you because you've over-delivered. So rather than saying, I'm going to do a monthly newsletter, I would say, I'm going to do a regular newsletter. So that's nice and vague. So if they get it every month, I've over-delivered. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so make sure you, do, like, I've learned not to be too specific in my promises so then I can keep them. And that keeps people happier, and rightly so. Does that make sense? Very good. Yeah. My first top tip. My second would be there's always time for a sit down wee. Um, and what I mean <laughs> by that is I learned this from one of my friends who's a consultant at the hospital. And um, he's a bloke, he's not a girl. And, um, and, and he said, you know what, Amy, there's always time for a sit down wee. Um, and that means making time to just step away from the situation for a bit. Um, and I think some of my most profound moments have been on the toilet um, not whilst I'm doing the business when I've just used the toilet as an excuse to step away from the situation for a few minutes. So sometimes if a meeting's just getting a little bit tough or, or challenging or a conversation, a pastoral visit, that kind of thing, you'll, I'll often go, oh, do you mind just need, just need to nip to the toilet? Um, and I don't really need a wee or anything else. But actually, I just need a few minutes just to catch my breath and gather my thoughts where no one else is and no one ten no one should be following you into the toilet um hopefully that's not. not legal it's not right yeah yeah so there you go if they follow you in you're in really big trouble but yeah there's always time for a sit down we um and i think if you go on a long if you consider like anthony said if you can it's like a race a marathon not a, a sprint type stuff but if you're on a long car journey and you need a wee um, it's a very horrible journey, isn't it? And it only becomes a pleasant journey once you've called at the service station for a week. So always allow yourself some lay-by time, just even if it's five minutes, um, grab a lay-by moment just to catch your thoughts. And it makes a massive difference. Sometimes I know if I've stayed in a meeting, if I stay in this meeting any longer, I'm going to say something I regret. Anthony will know that. Um, and so, because sometimes I get it wrong, I'm by no means a perfect leader. Um, but I know if I'm feeling my blood starting to boil, step away from the situation, go for a wee and come back and you'll be a different person in the meeting. There you go. 
Um, I agree with Anthony, the whole find some wise counsel. I have a group of friends who have absolutely nothing to do with my ministry. And um, they're just my friends where I can be Amy and be totally honest about life and all its challenges. So whether that's one, two, three, four, whatever, um, I'm very blessed to have some great friends and wise counsel. Um, my other top tip is be compassionate to yourself. Um, you're not God, just in case you thought you were. Um, you're a human being and therefore you're not perfect. And um, so be compassionate to yourself. During lockdown, I had someone that came to visit me who told me that I in, in, um, felt it necessary to tell me that I could have done better in my leadership during lockdown. Um, to which, well, bear in mind, I've got a six-year-old and a 13-year-old who's homeschooling and working full-time and, and, and. But rather than punch them in the face, I decided it was better to say the comment, well, I probably could have done this better. However, I've never been through a pandemic before. And so I'm going to be compassionate to myself and acknowledge the fact that I'm not going to do everything perfect and neither is anybody else. So it just be, be compassionate to yourselves. Do you know, we're not perfect and we're going to make mistakes and that's okay. And just be willing to say, I made a mistake or be willing to say sometimes to some people, um, do you know what? Back off. <laughs> um, none of us are perfect. So cut me some slack kind of thing. So be compassionate to yourself. Um, if you're compassionate with other people, be compassionate to yourself. And um, the other is, again, about that going for a sit down wee thing. Um, give yourself space between meetings. And I think lockdown has been really bad for that. That sometimes, like in the old life, the life we used to have and we're never going to have again, apparently, um, I'd have a meeting and then I'd drive to the next one. And that drive was great processing time in my head. And But when we're in the world of Zoom, we can literally die from one meeting to the next with no pause in between. And, um, and actually that's not healthy because we're not giving ourselves time to process. And it was only when after the first lockdown, it kind of, and we could go out and about a bit more between meetings and meet in person. I suddenly thought, this is what I've missed. I've missed space to finish that meeting mentally and emotionally and spiritually before I go into the next one. Um, so now I try to give myself, like, if I can, half an hour, if better, an hour between Zoom calls because it helps me to pop, process and park before I move on to the next one. Um, and I was, I remember many years ago on some leadership training, um, Am I talking too fast? No. No. Okay. Um, I met the the CEO of the post office. Um, he was a lovely chap. And it was when they were making a lot of redundancies and stuff and, and the post office was going through real tough times. And he said, you should never fill your diary. Never fill your diary. Because unexpected things always happen. And that was one of the wise... I, was, I thought, if my diary's not full... I'm not doing my job properly, um, but actually he's so true. Always give space. That never fill your diary from morning till night kind of thing. Always give space because the unexpected will always happen. And if it doesn't, use that time to love yourself and, um, and just do something good for you, if that makes sense. Or 
and whatever that is, go and colour a picture in or go to the gym or go and hit a ball with a stick like Anthony, I don't know, um, something like that. So never fill your diary. And the other thing he taught me was your diary, imagine each day cut up into four segments. So like morning, like early morning, um, before lunch, after lunch, evenings. And so if you've got an evening meeting, one of those other three blocks needs to be blocked out. Does that make sense? So if I've got an evening meeting, I do not start work until at least 10, 10.30. And so I go to the gym because I love exercise as well. So I normally, nine times out of 10, I'm exercising first thing in the morning if I can um, to make sure I get some, some space for, for me. So just check that out when you've got your diary and put a big line, big line through your day off and um, so it makes it really pulls on the heartstrings if you're thinking about writing something in your day off. Um, put a big cross through. So I do. So once I see that line, when someone asks for my time on my day off, I've got to be really convinced that this is worth sacrificing my day. So very little thing, very few things will interrupt my day off. Um, because no one's going to protect you. The only person that can protect you is you. Um, so get a day off and guard it with your life um, and don't feel guilty about it so yeah um, that, uh, another one was what Anthony kind of touched on as well I was always taught you work to live you don't live to work it's that work-life balance thing um, you work to live you don't live to work um, th that's the wrong way around so that's pretty self-explanatory and um, I always think get your training from the emergency services. I don't know if any of you are paramedics or anything like that. But um, if you go into a road crash, you never go to first. The person you don't go to is the noisiest one. It's always the quietest one. And then sadly, sometimes in church leadership, we always go to the noisy one. And then we, therefore we don't hear the voice of the quiet ones. And they're the wise ones normally. Um, so resist the temptation to immediately listen to the, the loud voices. Um, make time to go to the quiet ones look sit back and who who's the quiet ones and hunt them out um because they either might be the ones that are struggling the most but they also might be the wisest ones as well does that make sense so like a paramedic -y thing um i've always become i've always been part of a bible study group or a prayer group for me um, not for anybody else where I, I'm just part of that group um, and that's been really valuable to me so I can be a punter I think it's very I always say to my worship teams I don't want you playing in a band or leading worship every Sunday because you need to know what it feels like to be led in worship um, and I think the same for us as leaders actually we need to know what it is to be led in worship um, so with regards to, I don't know if you're Anglicans, Methodists, Baptists, Pentecostals, whoever you are, um, in the Methodist church, we have a, a, a preaching plan. And I always make it really clear that a minimum of one Sunday um, a month, I don't do anything because that's my time to be a punter and experience what it is to be led in worship. Um, bit of a secret shopper, even in my own church. Um, and if I'm in my own church, I never take my diary with me. I have a paper diary. And um, so if people say they want me on a Sunday, 
I always say, oh, I haven't got my diary with me. You'll have to phone me, email me in the week, email me in the week. And then suddenly you never get an email because actually it wasn't that much of a priority after all. Um, so it, it forces people to, to just go and think before they kind of steal my time or use my time. That sounds awful, like I hate my congregation. I don't, I love them. Um, but does that make sense? Um, and I, one of my favorite films, if you want to go and watch a film, um, it's called The Walk, and it tells a story of a tightrope walker. Um, I can't remember his name now, his name's just gone out. A famous one, and he walked between the Twin Towers many years ago, and it tells oh, his yeah. story. Um, go and do some research about tightrope walking and steps of faith and all that kind of stuff. And actually the science behind tightrope walking and the, the significance of the length and the weight of the pole is what makes it possible for him to do the tightrope walking. And actually we need to make sure what we're holding on to is helping us to balance. Cause if it's not, we need to, to let, let go of it really. Um, otherwise we're gonna fall off the tightrope. And it feels like you're walking a tightrope most of the time in leadership, in my experience. Does that help? Thank you, Amy. Yeah, some pearls of wisdom there. We appreciate you. Uh, I, I'd love you to experience Amy's church. It's like, Amy's church is just a lovely community. It's kind of a messy community. It's kind of, it's a bit chaotic, but it's just beautiful. It's church. Uh, thank you for being here, Amy. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Lee, I'm so pleased you could join us. So as we come towards the close, I'm going to give you the last kind of 10 minutes before we go. Because uh, Lee, I've known you for some time. And uh, share, share a little bit who you are and where you minister, Lee. You're much closer to home to most of these people than so content. Yeah, great, great to be together tonight. And thank you for, thank you for inviting us. Um, so yeah, I'm Lee. Uh, I'm married. I've got two children, seven and four, which is a joy with homeschool um, and I lead uh, Hope Community Church in Aintree, not too far away from some of you. I'm an ordained Baptist minister. Um, in years gone by, I was part of one of the churches that Anthony led. Dan and I worked together at one point as well. So both of them will testify that the stuff that I'll share tonight is this hasn't always been me. This has been a journey and I don't always get it right. I've got it spectacularly wrong at many, many times. But these are kind of some of the some of the things that I've found over the last few years, uh, I've been uh, leading the church here in Aintree. I've been in Aintree for five years, just coming up, leading the church for uh, kind of three and a half, four of those years as kind of the, the lead pastor there. Uh, these are some of the things that I've learned over um, the, the last couple of years. Where you, that kind of survival tips, you know, ministry in this season is hard. Um, whether you are, are a single, whether you are married, whether you have children that are young or older, this season is hard. Whether you're an introvert or you're an extrovert, this season is tough. So these are some of the things that um, that I think have been effectively the lifelines for us uh, in this time. So Dan, if you're happy to write them again, these would be, these would be great. Um, I've tried my very best and um, I've got, they all begin with the letter P and they're all one word, just to make it easier for Dan tonight. Um, so the first one is pray, really simple. <laughs> but the first one, the first one is pray. Um, People often come to us as leaders and they say, what is God's will for my life? And sometimes as leaders, we, we ask the question as well in, in, the, in the great season of saying, Lord, is, is this it? What, what more have you got for me? And in the tough season of saying, Lord, is, is this really your will for me? But there's a really simple verse in 1 Thessalonians 16 to 18 that says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So the first thing really is pray. Uh, above anything else, one of the things we're called to do as leaders is, is to pray. 
is to stand in the gap and, and to intercede. And in this really tough time, I'm reminded of a quote by Billy Graham, who said, if, if we want to see the, a nation get back to its feet, the church must first get on its knees. And I think there's real wisdom in that for us as leaders. And if we even, if we shorten that down, so if we want to see our churches rebuilt and the communities that we're part of rebuild, we as leaders need to be people who are on our knees. And so however this works for you, I encourage you to really invest more time into prayer in this season, whether you use an app, whether you use morning or, anger, or morning or evening prayer or night prayer, whatever it may be, if you use those patterns, um, uh, if you prefer something that's a bit more interactive, the, the 24-7 prayer, Lectio 365 app is really helpful for you. Explore some time quiet, take some time out uh, to pray uh, in this season. You know, in this time when you may have mixed emotions around, could I and should I be doing more? Or I'm doing way too much in the season. Actually, the greatest work we can do in the season is the work of prayer. So the first one is pray. Um, mm. Second one um, a lot of this will touch on what Anthony and Amy have already said actually but is, is punctuate punctuate um, I, I make a real point to try and punctuate my day with things I loved what Amy said about the meetings thing it's dead easy for us to go from one meeting to the next on Zoom I think punctuating our day is really important giving us that space to hear the still small voice of God but also to let us recharge our batteries at, at the minute it's legal to go for one walk a day with one other person so I've found one pastoral walk a day with someone is much better than trying to do five or six zooms with people in a day because uh, it allows that little bit of space and time take lunch in your day take time out as amy said think about the, the the times that you work in the day and taking some of those sessions off but within the day as well making sure that we have that rhythm of prayer and and, and reading the bible we've got to be fueled up haven't we we've got to be rooted in the word of god and hearing um god's voice someone said to me when i um first started in church ministry was to be really careful to never let my own devotional life in scripture be the same as what I'm preaching on a Sunday so don't let an excuse to what I'm preaching on Sunday so I'll spend all week this week my only bible reading will be my preparation for my sermon on Sunday but instead to have a separate walk where we're deepening ourselves in God's word personally for the sheer joy of it as well as what we're doing for our ministry and for our work as well Interesting, Amy, you mentioned paramedics. I was going to mention something about paramedic as well. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched the ambulance series that's on um, on the BBC where they're just kind of, they're following, they're following paramedics around. When they, were in, when they were in Liverpool, the last series, um, on the first episode of the, the series, they were following one of the advanced paramedics that goes to all the cardiac arrests and the car crashes and all the really nasty stuff. Uh, and he said that the first lesson they're taught as a paramedic is a paramedic never runs into a situation. A paramedic walks because it's it's when they walk in that they see the dog behind the door that's bitten someone it's when they walk in that they see the person who's holding a knife or wherever it may be they're able to assess the situation as leaders in our day there's such a tendency to run into situations to feel that everything is urgent because you know our congregation is those that we serve and lead their thing that they're messaging us about is the most urgent thing for them but actually for us we're spinning five six seven seventeen plates at once so we need the ability to, to walk slowly. So punctuate your day, punctuate your week, um, take Sabbath, take a day off, not just a day off to do the shopping and the housework, but a, a Sabbath day, a day to really rest in the presence of God um, and simply in, enjoy God. Um, I, I like Amy as well, I have a, I have a paper diary um, because I realised I kept cancelling things in my, my diary because it was too easy to delete it out of my iPhone. But on a paper diary, I can see the flow of the week. 
uh, I can put lines through it. I, I don't like mess, so I don't like crossing things out in my diary. If it's in the diary, it's in there. Um, but I also make sure there's space in there as well. And then think about how you punctuate your year as well. It can be really easy for us to not take all of our annual leave or feel guilty that we're taking annual leave if, we, if we're employed. That's really important because it helps us to recharge the batteries. Look at the rhythm of how your church year is and plan to take time off when it's quiet. I personally, I always take a week off after Easter. I've just found that to be a really important time to just recharge. A friend of mine who leads a church up in Lancaster, um, he always takes the second week in December off because Christmas is really quiet for him. Believe it or not, he leads a student-based church. All the students have gone home, so it's really quiet. So he takes Christmas off. Fantastic. Think about the rhythm of your year. Uh, Rick Warren said, divert daily, withdraw weekly, abandon annually. And I think it's a really helpful principle for us leaders there to be able to do those things divert daily withdraw weekly abandon annually third thing personality a lot of those first couple of points will fit into this and do you know how you're wired you know if you're wired as an introvert and you live with a household of extroverts you need time in your day where you can just simply be quiet to recharge your batteries to, to go for a walk to engage in some silence if you're an extrovert and the season's really hard because you're you're on your own you need to find some times where you can engage with people and don't feel guilty about that, but also allow those things like your prayer life to, to flow out of that. If you're someone who's more introverted, explore more quiet prayer. Uh, if you're someone who's more extroverted, maybe use some of the apps, some of the interactive things, pray with people over Zoom or over the phone. Uh, so think about how you're wired, but also the, 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 the times of day. Some of us are morning people, some of us are, are much better in the evening. So don't feel bad in, in kind of, church circles say you must do your quiet time in the morning so actually it works better for you in the evening or over your lunch whenever it may be go for it think about your personality and how god has wired you to be there can be a misunderstanding sometimes that i think certain kind of more traditional churches are more for the introverts where they like quiet and the, the charismatic churches are for the extroverts it's not true as the body we, we need one another so find ways to engage in church uh, the way that you've been wired up to be at fourth one is plug in you can hyphenate that down so it's still one word. Plug in. Mm-hmm. Um, find networks like you're doing tonight uh, where people are going to breathe uh, some of the, the life and the experience they have into you. One of the ones that I found really helpful in here, and I know Jack is part of this as well, is the New Wine Network in Merseyside. It's fantastic. Uh, four times a year, there's something called Kingdom Leaders. Uh, I'd love to encourage you to get involved in that. as a New Wine celebration on Sunday evening. Um, it's a great network to be part of. You don't need to be an ordained leader to be part of that. But it's a really kind of life-giving network. So find some of the networks that you can plug into uh, throughout the year, whether it's conferences to go away or whether it's something regular that is going to fire you, get people alongside you, get alongside others who will feed life into you. Uh, fifth one flows out of that as well, which is people, which I think Anthony's kind of touched on already uh, as well. But think about having, having wise friends, but also people that you can be accountable with. You know, I find a really rich relationship with a a friend of mine, we, we, we read a book together um, separately, but then we talk about it together and we talk about the struggles and the challenges and what that looks like in family life, in church ministry. And we have the permission to be honest and to speak things into one another's lives. We do that regularly. We try and do that once a month. But then for me, I also have a handful of people that um, maybe two, three times a year I'll, I'll have a coffee with people who um, encourage me, people who I, I find great wisdom from. Um, and actually, even if there's nothing of ministry talked about, I just love being with them. Uh, and for me, that's a real life-giving thing. Uh, so have those people uh, through the year uh, that are around you as well. 
but also the non-Christian people, we can easily fall into the trap of only ever hanging out with church people. One of the most enjoyable relationships I have is, is with one of the other dads from school. And up until March, we'd go for a pint once a month and it was just a really enjoyable evening to just be me. And it wasn't even kind of with the agenda of this is going to be an evangelistic thing. It was just, let's go and have a pint and be two fellas together and have a chat. Um, find those people around you. And then the last one, the, the sixth one is protect. Protect. So all the things we've talked about, protect those things, guard those things. Uh, if, if you're employed by the church that you lead, put in your church news sheet what your day off is every week so that your church begins to get into the habit of not phoning you on those days. Um, switch your phone off, or if you're unable to do that, um, if you have something like an iPhone that has the Do Not Disturb feature on there, which puts automatically all calls straight to your voicemail, um, other than ones that you select as ones that can call through. It's a really useful thing to do. I'd say the only caveat with that is to not be a Pharisee. So I, my experience here is that more people in my church have died on my day off than, uh, than on any other day of the week. Um, so there are times when you do need to pick your phone up. Um, so what I have, I have a few people in the church that, um, that know they can ring me on my day off and they're saved in my phone as favourites so that they don't go straight to voicemail. They'll come through on the day off. They'll only ever ring me if it's an emergency. Um, but I know if that's the case, I need to pick up because something significant's happened on those days. Um, so that's it. So pray, punctuate, personality, plug in, people, and protect. I don't get it right all the time, but I've just found those things have been really helpful things to to keep me going in the tough seasons. Thank you, Lee. Thank you so much. Uh, what was the point of this evening? Well, to equip you to be a better leader. That's how I started. That's what I'm going to finish with. Uh, I think what what we've heard this evening is just some real pearls of wisdom about how we're going to be able to keep going because sometimes it's just about keep going isn't it keep going keep pressing on i i agreed to do a five mile fun run a few years ago okay that was a really stupid idea because i thought i could do it without any training at all and i did it, it was for a primary school that my dad was my, my father-in-law was the head teacher so there was about 20 adults and the rest of them were kids and, I, and I, I even thought on the start line, I could win this. I really could. This, this could look really good for me. So I hadn't trained at all, but it was five, it was five miles. After about two and a half miles, I hit the wall. I don't think you're supposed to hit the wall until about 20 miles in the marathon. However, I, hit it, I, I literally hit it in the, in the middle of a place called Longton in Stoke-on-Trent after about two miles. And I, I, I was then mortally embarrassed as pretty much the entire year six of the school ran past me laughing. Because, because I was the one that had the right trainers. I looked like I knew what I was doing. I hadn't trained. As leaders, if we don't train, if we don't equip ourselves, we won't finish the race. It'll be too difficult. And I think, I think you've heard some real wisdom there from Amy and Lee about how we're going to be able to keep going. And if we can practice some of those things, I think we can do it. And may God bless you all in your ministries, in your various places, as you faithfully keep going, particularly during this COVID season, where you can't do what you want, but you, you can do some things. As you imagine what you can do during this season, may God bless you with creativity. I'm going to suggest that we pause as we close, because we've had a lot of words this evening. So I'm, I'm going to give 30 seconds, maybe even a minute, just to be still. I invite the Holy Spirit just to prompt us, each and every one of us, and perhaps just, what's the main takeaway from this evening? 
what was that thing that that you've heard tonight that actually God would say by a spirit, you need to really listen to that thing because that's what I'm saying to you and you need to do something about it as well. Let's listen to the spirit together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together. We thank you, Lord, that you have called us. And therefore, you have and you will continue to equip us. You'll give us every good thing we need to do what you're asking us to do. You won't cheat us. Thank you, Jesus. I pray, Lord God, for that one thing, that takeaway. Holy Spirit, what would you prompt us with? What do we need to rethink, do differently? start afresh that we might keep going and complete this race thank you heavenly father in jesus name amen